Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday. We begin in Alabama, and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. The Music of America podcast continues in the state of Iowa. How about that? And I used to live by Iowa because I used to live in Missouri. And our first guest this week is a gentleman from Des Moines named Matt Woods. We'll talk to him and about his instrumentation of music. Bass players, listen up. The bag is a high-quality leather gig bag family of products that are handmade in the United States with the finest craftsmanship and a beautiful, sophisticated, very cool overall appearance. They're made of some of the finest quality leather and cushion available and meant to last a lifetime, literally. They have over 30 years in the leather industry. I'm extremely proud to introduce a line of gig bags targeted to both the skilled professional as well as the fun-seeking novice. Their hope is that you'll love the bag as much as they do. The bag from Tony Vaughn Base Bags, www.tonyvaughn.com. Almost forgot the .com. Can't forget the .com. <laughs> so Matt Woods, tell me uh, tell me about Matt Woods. Where are you from? Are you from Des Moines originally? Yeah. Hey, Tom. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Yep. I'm uh, from central Iowa here. I was uh, born and raised in Des Moines. I live outside of Des Moines now. I'm a country boy, so um, no more city life for me. But uh, yeah, I've kind of been in and around central Iowa my whole life. Yeah. Farm background or music background? I am professionally playing music professionally for 23 years. Oh, no kidding. And, uh, so, yeah, I've just kind of been doing my thing, I guess, while in a way. Yeah. How'd you get into it? What uh, what got you first into music? Was it your family? Were you surrounded by music as a kid? Um, I don't have any musicians in the family. I mean, music was always important in the house growing up. Um, but I didn't actually start playing until I was in college. Um, my formative years were all were taken up with sports. Um, I, was, I was an athlete growing up, ended up playing um, uh, college baseball. And uh, once that kind of ended up becoming obviously not a very viable path for me. Um, I needed something to fill my time and I always wanted to play guitar. So I picked one up and, you know, never looked back. Trying to figure it out to this day. Yeah. <laughs> what did you start playing? Were you playing country? Were you playing rock? Were you playing acoustic stuff? What were you? Yeah. I mean, I started, started on acoustic guitar. Um, you know, gosh, I, I was, it was all I could do to just figure out how to make a couple chords, you know, but um I kind of grew up listening to um, there was a lot. I remember there being a lot of soul and R and B music in my house. So I was always really attracted to, you know, black music, traditional black music. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in college, shortly after I started playing guitar, kind of in my little inve- musical investigation, I stumbled across the music of Sun House. And um, that, that was kind of all she wrote for me. Uh-huh. Your style is uh, all instrumental, at least the music you sent to us. Yeah. This record, this record was, um, the plan was to make an all instrumental record. I've got six other records, I think that are, you know, have vocals and original songs and all that stuff on it too. But one of my really early um, musical influences, obviously was Freddie King. And uh, I was completely enamored and still am enamored to this day with his first record, uh, which is all instrumental. Let's hide away and dance with Freddie King. And in my mind, that's still the best electric guitar playing ever recorded. Really? Um, so I always wanted to make an inst- instrumental record. And, uh, it, you know, the beauty of being an independent musician is, <laughs> you know, there's no there's no like money or notoriety or anything like that. But I'm totally free to do whatever I want. So, <laughs> uh, 
kind of made in my mind that that's what I was going to do. So um, that's what I shot for for this record. The new record is called Almost Made It because I didn't quite make it as an all instrumental record. I ended up putting one song on it. Oh, uh, the last song. <laughs> the last song is a, is a vocal track, but uh, you know we almost we almost did it. Well, I, I really admire instrumentalists because when you write a vocal song you can tell literally tell the story when you're playing instrumental music you have to tell the story through the notes through the texture through the tone through the rhythm the timbre all of that whatever it is you're trying to convey you can only do that with music you know otherwise you're cheating right and it, it amazes me that people are able to do that. I have a hard enough time writing you know, music with words anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I agree. And I I mean, I have a hard enough time too. I'm not really, you know, I've fallen into the, the songwriting and the singing aspect of the business just because, you know, I want to, I want to work a lot and I, you know, just being a guitar player, I'm not going to be able to work as much as I wanted to. So I have to, you know, write songs and sing in front of band and stuff. No, none of that stuff I'm really interested in. I express myself through guitar playing. I mean, that's my, you know, my number one outlet. And so I wanted to use this as an opportunity to do that musically, you know, just with guitar. Obviously there's other, other instruments on the record, but you know, from my voices through the guitar for the most part. When somebody hires Matt Woods, then they're hiring just you and your guitar or guitars, I guess, you know, but they're not getting a whole band. Well, it depends. I mean, I, I front my own trio. I work with several other bands and I do a solo thing, too. So, um, OK, it depends. I sort of tailor that based on what the gig needs. You know, if it's if they just want a solo act, I can accommodate that. If they want a full band, I can accommodate that, too. So, uh, like I said, I, I like to work a lot, so I can't. Right. Um, I've I've sort of intentionally learn to do all those different things so that I could fit any, any scenario where I could get a gig. When you're not doing solo work, are you still playing just Matt Woods music or do you covers too? Yeah. I mean, I do, I try to do a good mix of both. I think actually it's really important. You know, I, I play my original music. Sure. But I think that for the traditional style of music that I'm playing, it's, it's an oral tradition and, you know, it's stuff that's been passed down for generations. And I actually think it's really important to, um, play some of that traditional music and pass it on. I know there's a lot of singer songwriters that really scoff at the idea of playing other people's music. It's almost a sacrilege for some of them. But uh, for me, that's uh, from the tradition that I'm coming from. It's, it's really important to, to pass those songs down. It's really interesting too, because it's almost market by market. It's, it's not state by state or region by region, but I've talked to so many different artists that'll maybe get a gig at a, at a coffee shop or a winery or a bar or whatever and if you go up and you play a cover, they're going to throw you out of there. Mm-hmm. Or you go to the bar, the next county over, the next town over or whatever. And if you're not playing covers, they throw you out of there. It's like, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, the good thing for me is that uh, I guess the thing working in my favor is the songs that I'm playing that other people have written. Nobody in that room has ever heard before. Oh, you know? okay. <laughs> these, are, these are songs that are hundred years old. So, uh, right. you know, nobody even thinks, uh, thinks about it whether or not whether or not it's occasionally people will ask but for the most part people are kind of you know well they're indifferent in the most for the most part anyway you have the same flavors and tastes i guess of uh, another gentleman we had on this week uh catfish keith i guess he will will be coming on this week because you're on monday so he'll be on on wednesday yeah we're uh, both we're both iowa guys i know keith he's he's from eastern iowa and i'm from central iowa but yeah we've uh we've definitely spent time together you both have that shared love and passion of older music and older blues music, which I think is really cool. And it's, 
I think it's important and not to sound like the old man in the room, but it's important for the other generations younger than me. <laughs> How about that? Oh, absolutely. I think it's, I mean, it's, it's more, it's, it's the most important thing there is. I mean, that's the, the cultural bedrock that this country came from. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, this is bigger, very, very much bigger than me or you or my music or whatever. You know, there's more, more important so things to take here. Yeah. So you said Freddie King is your big influence, right? Or was one of your big influences? Was, I mean, his, yeah, his early stuff was a big influence for my electric playing for sure. Uh -huh. And when you do acoustic, is there someone else that you model after or are inspired by? Well, I mean, I, ideally I'm trying to get to the point where I'm, I'm, I'm being myself musically, but um, so I want to sound like I want to sound like me, but um, I definitely draw a lot of inspiration from yeah, people like Sunhouse or Robert Johnson or Fred McDowell, um, you know, a lot of de early Delta stuff, Piedmont style stuff, uh, Hill Country music, things yep. like that. Yeah, the songs we're hearing today, these are all written by you, correct? Correct. I think so. so yeah, I believe I, if I remember what you're playing, yes, that's that's true. Yeah. So the first song we're going to play is a song called Carrot Cake. Oh, who yeah. doesn't who doesn't like carrot cake? Right. Yeah, I love it. Obviously, I wrote a song about it. <laughs> who writes a song about carrot cake, dude? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, seriously, what what motivate what motivated that? That's so interesting. Oh, these are I mean, you know, they're just these, these instrumental songs are just, you know, musical ideas and themes I had running around in my head that were fleshed out for this record. And, you know, when your name, when your name and stuff like that, it's just kind of, um, I, I guess I can't really tell you exactly where the name came from. It's just something that I felt, you know, was appropriate for the, for the song. It's uplifting. It's up tempo. It's upbeat. It's kind of like if you eat too much carrot cake, you'll be bouncing off the walls from the sugar high. Right. Yeah, it's like midway through. It's like when you're midway through the whole cake. You haven't this the complete self-loathing hasn't set in yet. You haven't, <laughs> you haven't completely crashed yet, but you're not yet you're getting there. Yeah. Our guest today is Matt Wood from Des Moines, Iowa. And we're gonna hear the first song of his called Carrot Cake. <laughs>
today, Matt Woods, and that song called Carrot Cake. We're going to hear a couple more of his selections after we talk about B. Normous Productions. B. Normous Productions have been producing and recording music and videos for over 20 years. After years as a performer, the owner, Van Beerhoeven, decided to get back to that which he loves the most, and that's production. After tutelage under Jordan Valeria, he opened up his own place in Millican, Colorado. High-end instruments, high-end tools are on hand to make your sound compete with your own favorite records. He's got one goal in mind, and that's for you to look and sound as professional as possible. So go make some records, go make some videos with B. Normous Productions. They're on Facebook, or you can find them at bnormousproductions.com. Matt Woods, uh, video isn't a big part of your forte, is it? Uh, no. Have you done any video? Uh, no, I hate to get my picture taken at all. <laughs> Which maybe I'm in the wrong business, right? Showbiz. Uh, no, I don't. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll make some little homespun videos for social media and things like that or whatever. But no, I've never done like a, a full-fledged music video. The idea that kind of makes me super uncomfortable. I guess I'm not a very typical performer in that way. I've kind of never been comfortable being the center of attention. <laughs> That's funny. You're front man of a band. You do solo work, but you're like Jim Morrison, dude. <laughs> well, it's like I have. Uh, I just love to play guitar, and so yeah. that is the, that's always the driving force. And if I, I guess if I have to get get up in front of people to do that, I'll I'll bite bite on my stick and and do that. You ever do like uh, open mics or sit in jams, open jams, anything like that, just for fun to get play with other people, just to I play, mean, just for fun. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to do it. It's just the with the way my schedule is. I mean, I'm playing about 150 dates a year and and managing a bunch of other things in my personal life. So uh, uh, it's just not something I really get the luxury to do anymore. When I was when I was first starting out, I I did did that every single night. I mean, there was uh, when I was coming up in Des Moines in the the early aughts, you know. Um, yeah. There was, a, I remember there was an open jam somewhere six nights a week in that town, and I went to every single one of them. No uh, kidding. Addition to playing my own gigs, sometimes I'd go to an open jam and then I'd go do my own gig, and or vice versa, and and uh, that was really good for me early on to get as much stage time as I could. I mean, Des Moines is not a small town, but that's a lot of gigs, dude. That's a, that's playing almost every other night. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I uh, I still play about every other night. Um, I, like I said, I just, I like to work a lot and yeah. uh, I'm a busy body. It drives my wife crazy, but uh, I'm kind of like a, a golden retriever. You know, if you don't give me a job to do, I'll lick my hair out. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's just kind of always been, maybe it's a crippling OCD. I'm not sure if it's undiagnosed, but um, yeah, I like to play a lot and I kind of try to do every opportunity I can as I've gotten older and I've got a, you know, I've got a family now. I try to be a little bit pickier about what I take. I'm not just yeah. going to go out and do something, you know, for the heck of it or, or whatever. It needs to be a good situation for me, either artistically or, or professionally or financially um, for me to do it just because I owe my family time also, you know? So that's always a, that's always a tricky balancing act at this sort of stage stage of life for me. What's the biggest venue you've played and what's the most fun venue you've played? Um, well, those two things I can say that happened back to back, I can tell you with one story. So in 2011, my old trio, which is called Matt Woods and the Thunderbolts that I played with for about eight years, uh, we played at the grandstand of the Iowa State Fair in front of about 12,000 people. Oh, that's pretty cool. 
And the very next night was a Wednesday night. And we were the house band every Wednesday night for a club that used to be in Des Moines called Blues on Grand. Oh, which, nice. which, which is and will always be, I mean, the place closed shortly thereafter, but um, that will always be my favorite place to play and the funnest place to play. But we went from 12,000 on the Tuesday night to four people on the Wednesday night. <laughs> so it was a little, you know, a little, and I was young, I was fairly young at that point, I guess. So with a lack of perspective to how this whole thing works was quite a bit of whiplash for me, you know, to go, go from one to the other. But um, yeah, I'd say that's, that's probably the biggest and still, I mean, we still have a blast. We still had a blast at that place every night we played there. And uh, so I can count that as my favorite place to play. Yeah. There's something you, about playing at home, you know, a place you can call home. That's right. That was my home club. I grew kind of grew up in that room when I started out. I'd be there most nights of the week watching national touring acts coming through and uh, saw some incredible musicians and got to, you know, pick their brains and spend time with them. And, you know, still some people that I'm friends with, you know, yeah. to this day. So Who'd very you opportunity. I was lucky to be in the right place at the right time for that. Who of prominence have you had a chance to like meet, talk to, maybe even jam with? I remember back from the blues on grand days, one of the ones that sticks with me was uh, Nick Moss, who's still running around. He's Nick's been very good to me. I've, he's let me sit in with his band on a number of occasions. Um, I got to back up Louisiana red RJ Micho uh, several times. Boy, it's hard to, it's hard to come up with. I mean, there's, the list is huge, you know, it's hard to single anybody out off the top. Right. Of certainly don't want to leave anybody out, you know, right. but right. Yeah, there's been been a lot of people along the way that that have been very gracious to me and let me let me tag along or sit in with them or pick their brains or whatever. So been very lucky. What's the most radical deviation from what I call traditional blues that you play? What's the most radical deviation from that that you've played or tried to play? Boy, I don't know. I'm not a very radical guy. Uh, pretty straight ahead, you know. I like I like simple music. I like simple things. I don't do anything fancy you know i'm just trying to express myself as best i can um yeah. probably the the stuff that i've dove into that i would consider complicated or radical i guess i don't know is you know a lot of the really heavy piedmont style blues or travis picking style guitar music has been is you know a really sort of deep well of I think that stuff's super radical just because it's so complicated from a guitar standpoint. Yeah. You know, it's not like, you know, I'm not taking a handful of mushrooms and trying to figure it out or whatever. It's not that <laughs> kind of radical, you know, but uh, for me, musically, it's pretty, uh, pretty dense for sure. So like jazz would be for me, jazz would be the, the avenue that I ventured into, I think once and I'm like, Nope, never again. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know better to, than to even turn down that road. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't have the brain for it for sure. I, I don't yeah. have any music. I mean, I don't have any formal musical training, right? So I'm, I'm totally self-taught. You know, learn by ear, and uh, I'm actually go. I've been in the last few years, especially since COVID, I've gone back and really tried to dive into some theory just to make myself a better musician and sort of learn that stuff. But I mean. That it's a lot of it's so above my head it's uh laughable you know to even even mention it <laughs> you know even yeah, yeah even mention me in the same breath that breath as it i guess you brought up cold covid and that had to have been a kick in the teeth to you if you're playing and playing as much as you do or as much as you like to and then all of a sudden everything just stops yeah i lost um the first year 
whatever that was, you know, starting in March of 2020, I had for that year, I already had 90 dates on the, on the books. Oh my God. I lost. I mean, that were scheduled that, that I lost just in that first year. Wow. And I, I still ended up, you know, I ended up playing as much as I could through that. You know, there were certain situations where you could do it. They'd have outdoor events and whatever. And, you know, I still ended up with a, I, I depend, it depends what your perspective is. You know, for me, it was a really slow year for other people. It might've been, you know, kind of a busy year. I still ended up playing some gigs, but yeah, that was a big um, adjustment, not only from a, the standpoint of not working as much as I want to or financially, but again, learning how to use that downtime or off time yeah. to, my, to my advantage. You know, I was, I'm the kind of person that tries to make use of the, that time when I can. So um, I had to find out, figure out new approaches to grow as a musician without having the gigs. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Did you do the concert, the couch concert thing for a while, or did you try that at all? Uh, occasionally I did. Um, not really too much. You know what I did actually was um, I took guitar lessons for the first time in my life. Oh, I wow. would look up some of the people that I really admired as musicians, look them up on social media and, and a lot of times send them a message or call them out of the blue and just say like, Hey, would you, um, would you be, sit down with me in a zoom, you know, zoom circumstance and give me a guitar lesson. And so um, I tried to grow as much as I could as a player during that time without having the gigs. Your other job that you do when you're not playing music, did that affect you as well? Did it did did that hit, get hit by COVID as well? To where you had buku well, time not, on your not, hands? Not as much because I, I I think I mentioned to you I work in agriculture, so yeah. um, you know I in my job I can easily go days without seeing another person or being in contact with them, <laughs> you know so which is uh as i've alluded to is just the way i like it right so um that was uh that one wasn't affected too much yeah. you know there were some obviously changes that had you know we had to modify certain things or whatever but yeah for the most part that wasn't an issue now the next song of yours crockin next door i think of crocodile rock and then i think of crockin i just think of it as a pun of crock and rock play on words and I think, or you just talk about somebody wearing like hipster shoes. Yeah. So <laughs> I can tell you exactly where that comes from. Yeah. So I've got, uh, like I said, we live out in the country. I've got um, a little acreage and on the acreage is we have two houses. We have the, the big house as we call it, where everybody lives. And then we have a guest house on part of the property yeah. where, you know, anybody that's coming through stays with us or, you know, mother-in-law comes, she stays there or whatever. And I've got all my, gear over there and so um that's where i go to i have a little kind of studio set up and that's where i do my my work so to speak and and uh i like to put on my crocs and uh walk across the property to the to the house and and play guitar so um i think my wife made a comment about me crocking next door in my crocs that's fun and uh seemed like a good good song title it works for me we're gonna give it a listen like I said, I'm free, man. I can do whatever I want. That's I right. <laughs> you don't have a no label how, or, or somebody no saying no. Matter how absurd it is, I don't have to. I don't have to report that to anybody. That's great. Our guest is Matt Woods from Des Moines on the Music of America podcast. And the next song, "Crockin' Next Door." <laughs>
next door with Matt Woods and the Music of America podcast. And Matt was talking about his farm. I'm going to talk about another farm called River Ridge Farm, Vermont's recreation lover's dream. It's a gorgeous vacation rental nestled in the Green Mountains of Vermont. River Ridge Farms is an escape to everything wonderful that Vermont has to offer. This historic farmhouse is set atop 16 acres of fields with mountainous views, a pasture, a pond, a tree-lined river frontage. Go out and enjoy this beautiful spot that's right in the heart of the Green Mountain State, along with multiple nearby ski, mountain resorts, breweries, biking trails, hiking trails, other tourist activities. This spot is unique due to its multiple mountain views and the resident farm animals. Get in touch with the owner, Diana, and ask about or set up a pet interaction. She's got pigs on her farm, and she lets you go up and pet the pigs while you're staying there. It's it's. I took my grandson out there, and he just had a blast playing with the pigs. Or if you prefer, just do a farm stay in the comfortable modern farmhouse, which sleeps 11 guests comfortably. Every space is your own, and there's enough space to throw events like weddings or whatever, or just relax, rejuvenate in the beautiful Vermont landscape. Now check them out, River Ridge Farm on Facebook, but you have to find them by searching River Ridge Farms Jeffersonville because apparently there's like, I don't know, 80 million River Ridge Farms throughout the country. You can also find them on Airbnb, River Ridge Farms Jeffersonville, River Ridge Farms, Vermont's recreational lover's dream. So you said you've got a guest house, Matt. Do you do Airbnb out there? Uh, no, it's always, it's usually pretty well spoken for. I've got like um, a lot of my friends who are touring musicians, you know, end up coming through and staying staying with us pretty right. There seems like there's always there's always some damn idiot in the house over there. <laughs> it's like the the home for wayward uh, musicians. Musicians, that's right. Now, do you have to provide for them? Do you have to cook and pamper them and all that? If I like them, I'll put some snacks over there, but usually they're, <laughs> usually they're on their own. Yeah. So you've been doing this 20, would you say 22 years, 23 years? 23. Uh, yeah. 23 years. So what's the future look like for you? What do you see in the next like three to five years? What would you like to see in the next three to five years? Well, as I probably mentioned earlier, I want to work as much as I can. Um, I would like to widen, sort of widen my sphere of influence. Ideally, you know, I, I do, um, a lot of sort of regional touring, I guess I'd like to expand. I've done some national stuff. I'd like to just get, do some more regular national touring. But the biggest goal for me is the thing that means the most to me anyway, from a musical standpoint is I want two things. I want to be able to express myself. Like I said, this is, this is something that I, I do, you know, I, I hope everybody likes my music, I guess, or whatever, but I do this for me, right? This yeah. is my, my outlet and my way to express myself. But the, that being said, the other thing that means a lot to me is the respect of the people that I admire musically. And so that's sort of the ultimate, the ultimate goal for me is just to, to gain the respect of the people that, that I admire as musicians. That's pretty cool. It's a, it's not lofty and it's not unreachable, you know? Well, I, I mean, like I said, there, there is no, <laughs> In, in this line of work, you know, playing traditional music there, I, I would be foolish to assume that there would ever be any money or glory or whatever. And I'm not really <laughs> interested in that stuff, although I would like to, you know, obviously everybody would like to be financially secure. But um, even even what you may consider to be not so lofty goals. I mean, this is my life's work, right? This will be this will be ongoing till the day I die. There's no there's no um, 
sort of like finish line. You know, I think a, a lot of people maybe think of it like that. Well, I'll just I'll just do this until this happens or blah, blah, blah or whatever. But it's not like a it's not like a regular job. Right. Like this is my right. vision. Quest. <laughs> you know, if you remember that old movie. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a, a lifelong, a lifelong pursuit for sure. From the there's from the no, moment no from the moment that you first started talking about it, about uh, almost like a responsibility to bring or to keep alive the memory of old music. I think of it more like a relay race. So when you're done with this, you're just going to pass the baton. You're not going to stop. It's going to continue. And that's, that's how I saw what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. And the more, you know, the more I time, the more time I spend with it, the more I work, the more I get around, the more chance I have to sort of touch people in a way that would make, you know, someone down the line want to pick, pick up what I'm doing and pass it on. Right. Just like my, just like my heroes and my influences did did for me have you played blues festivals around the country or do you stay pretty much in the midwest or yeah i've been uh yeah and like i said mostly around the midwest but i've been kind of all over the country at one at one time or another um actually the northeast is probably the one area i haven't really uh spent much time in but um well i know a guy yeah right good (laughs) no guy it's all about knowing somebody right so um so yeah i mean I, i just i go where the work is for sure. It's so interesting because up here, I guess because our proximity to Montreal, but Burlington, I say up here in Burlington, Vermont, up here, there's such an emphasis on jazz. And I don't know if it's because we're so close to Montreal, who has this worldwide jazz festival every year. And if that influence has bled over here, or if it's because it's a college town and jazz just naturally organically develops in more college towns than not. I, I don't know. I mean, fish came from here. They're not really a jazz band. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> really hard. Yeah, it's funny. It's how that stuff works. Like the regional influences. I mean, if you look back in the history of, you know, American music, like I said before, I mean, you've got one style of blues that's comes based out of the Carolinas and the Piedmont region. That's totally right. different than what you might hear in here in the hill country of Mississippi. You know, there's just those, yeah, those uh, regional influences that kind of go from generation to generation yeah who knows how that stuff works it's pretty um interesting though there was a show or is a show on netflix called hip-hop revolution and i'm not a hip-hop guy but i watched that show start to finish because i was fascinated by what you were just saying uh, but how hip-hop has its own identity in different markets and i'm wondering what that sound or if if you took hip-hop out and you did blues because you know we've got chicago blues we've got Mississippi Delta blues, we got New Orleans blues, we got Kansas City blues, we got St. Louis blues. But where there's not a blues identity, I wonder if there is one, it's just not pronounced. Yeah, is, or, it's, or it's not pronounced yet, right? I mean, that's right. That, that, that stuff takes, you know, generations to sort of evolve to that that point, right? And it's just maybe we're in the middle, in the middle of it right now. Is Des Moines receptive to your style of blues? Oh boy. I don't know. That feels like a trap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been doing like it for said, I mean, the, the, the easy that's... answer is yes. Cause you've been doing yeah, it yes, for 23 course, years. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, people are very nice. I just think that um, in, in today's modern times with lots of distractions for everybody uh, it's just, it's really hard to get people's attention with anything that that's not already in their vocabulary. Right. Yeah. So unless you're playing, that's why I think a lot of these like quote, blues rock acts at these big festivals everybody headlining a blues festival now is a rock act in my mind 
Uh, you know, and I think it's because it makes people of a certain generation remember the music that they heard when they were in high school, you know, all the classic rock and that makes them popular. So trying to get people's attention with something that's not, that maybe is a little foreign to them musically or whatever is a challenge everywhere. Yeah. And I mean, I've got, there's a great music community in this part of the world, in this part of the state. And I've got a lot of great friends that I'm sure respect what I do, but you know, just the average Joe at the bar gig that I play or whatever, it's, it's really hard to get no matter where I go, right. Whether it's Des Moines right. or, or wherever it's, it's just hard to get their attention with something that's not familiar to them. Now I'm going to, cl- I'm going to claim my ignorance here already because I, I do that so well, first of all, <laughs> good, good to have this disclaimer, yeah. I, I had a friend of mine who passed away uh, recently or a couple of years ago, and she's from quad cities. And she used to talk about how good the music is in quad city. And she would put that up against Des Moines, Chicago, St. Louis. Is that yeah, accurate? I mean, there definitely is. There definitely is um, great music there. And the qu- thing about the Quad Cities is it's it's very close to Chicago. I mean, it's just a couple hours west. So uh-huh. there's a huge influence there. And uh, same with Des Moines. I mean, being just a few more hours west of that is right. all those, you know, great musicians from Chicago and Milwaukee and in the heyday of Chicago blues, like they all toured around the Quad Cities in Des Moines because it was within a six hour you know drive or whatever so there's a lot of that influence there i mean any any sort of um, city of a decent size you're going to have lots of great musicians you know in different different styles or whatever wherever you go so i mean i wouldn't i don't know I, i can't say like which town is better you know obviously her theory was you've got chicago des moines and st louis and they all kind of converge the different Absolutely. styles or flavors. It's like a, like a bouillabaisse, you know? I, would, I mean, I would definitely, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. I mean, you know, no, we all, we all work together. We all play gigs together. We all, a lot of yeah. us know each other. We run in the same circles and things. So, um, but yeah, Des Moines is the same, you know, if you think about Des Moines, Kansas city, Omaha, St. Louis, Chicago, Minneapolis, like one of the good parts about, about being located in this part of the country is that all those scenes are easily reachable. You know, uh-huh. Like we all, you know, sort of in, intermingle and play play gigs in each other's cities and and all that. So yeah, it's all about building a network and using the network too, right? Uh, definitely, that's that's what what it's all about for sure. So I'm going to throw a word at you, and I want to see how you define it. Okay, okay, <laughs> boogie, because the next song is unknown boogie. So yeah, to me, to me, I mean, you know, I could go go on about what that means musically to me but when i hear that word i just think of people dancing and having a good time yeah Yeah. i mean that's my you know my gut instinct is that's my response to that word well that's what came to me i just just, right (laughs) (laughs) confused minds think alike right (laughs) (laughs) well i go back to like the boogie woogie bugle boy from company b all the way up to boogie yogi yogi back in the disco era and then uh, they're uh, kind of now, now I'm drawing a blank, but there's another, there's some other, there's all kinds of songs that are boogie, but the common theme through all of that isn't a driving bass. It isn't this, it isn't keyboards, it isn't horns. It's danceable. It's all mm-hmm. danceable. And it's really cool that you were able to do that with your song here, just uh, on an <laughs> yeah, instrumental, you. you know, <laughs> I mean, you listen to old music. Uh, we have a Halloween party every year at our, our house up in Vermont. And this year we're having a big band theme. We got a five piece orchestra coming in to play big band oh, music. Yeah. 
which would really be cool because it's going to play a lot of throwback music that I really, really enjoy music. I grew up listening to because my parents were, were into the big band era, you know, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of boogie music, a lot of boogie woogie music, a lot of Benny Goodman and the old white guys that played boogie, uh, boogie woogie music back then was fabulous, you know, and then it kind of lost its definition, I guess, during, especially to me again, during the disco era, it, it meant nothing but dance. Yeah, you certainly, don't, you certainly don't hear anything referred to as a boogie that's like a slow ballad or like a minor, you know, a minor key blues or something like that. You know, so <laughs> I think, yeah, I think you're right. Well, it's a fun song. It's a danceable song. And we're going to listen to it. And this is Matt Wood's song called Unknown Boogie. from Des Moines and the Music of America podcast. Matt, this is the section of the show we call Shameless Self-Promotion. So this is where you just plug away. You've got 23 years of experience in playing music, so plug your website, your shows, your CDs, your albums, anything you'd like. Well, to me, all self-promotion is shameful. So uh, the shameless part I can't go along with, but I will tell you that uh, if you're interested in my music, you can go to my website, which is mattwoodsmusic.com, or I'd really appreciate uh, any follows on social media. Uh, Matt Matt Woods Roots Music is my handle on Facebook and Instagram, and it's free. All you gotta do is make a little click, and it really helps uh, helps us musicians out to have those followers. So I would appreciate any support. What's the dynamic of that? 
if you have because somebody told me once uh dave keller i don't know if you've crossed paths with him yet he's a musician up here he's a big r&b guy and he just doesn't do the spotify thing he just doesn't i mean he sold records all over the world okay but he just doesn't do the spotify thing and he says he needs to if he wants to play other other bigger venues and uh, yeah it's got i mean it's gotten to the point where as musicians we understand that they're like i think i've pre- probably beaten this dead horse this whole interview but like there's no money right i mean right. there you can i put my music on spotify or itunes or whatever and i understand doing that i think you'd be foolish to think that i'm going to put my music on spotify it's going to get three million downloads and i'm going to make you know some money or whatever thirty dollars right thirty yeah, or less <laughs> but um the idea is that you know just to get it in as many ear holes as possible right yeah. and then use that on the back end to generate followers or gigs or you know work your way up to better paying gigs and better gigs overall and things like that so it's a very in, indirect same with social media it's a very right. indirect way to generate income the idea is to just get a little snowball effect going and to maybe get into some ear holes of people that are interested and can help you get better gigs and and whatever right. the phrase i i hear is building your brand and that's what you got to do yeah, just kind of build your brand yeah Unfortunately, that's what it is. Like, yeah, we just, you know, I think we all, especially me, like, I just want to, I just want to express myself and sort of be an artist in this world or whatever. But um, there's just, there's more to it than that, unfortunately. There's, boy, I tell you, there's a business side of it. And if you don't watch yourself, you get immersed in the business side of it and you start to get cynical about the music. Yeah, I know people have gone both both ways, right? They get so immersed in the business side that they lose track of their art. And there's also people that get so immersed in the art part of it that they have no desire or ability to reach anyone. Or in, or, or in, in some case, no concept. Yeah, or no concept <laughs> of being able to reach people in the modern world. Yeah, for sure. That's great. Matt, I, I appreciate and love your down-to-earth approach to life and music. Hey, it's, I'm, like, I'm just not a simple aisle guy, like I said. <laughs> it's 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 healthy and it's balanced, and I really appreciate it. And thank you for that. And thank you for the gift of of an older style of music that you keep alive with your style of play. I love that. Well, so, I appreciate you saying that. Thank you, and I appreciate you having me on your podcast. Thank you. Uh, can't do it without you, dude. Thank you. Matt Woods was our guest. Up next, we're going to talk to a gentleman named Jerry Norman Jr. You've been listening to the Music of America podcast. If you like today's show, please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America. (laughs) 